Welcome to Manufacturing Talk Radio, your source for breaking news, business trends, and economic forecasts here and abroad that impact one-third of America's economy. And now your hosts, Lou Weiss and Tim Grady. Thank you for listening to Manufacturing Talk Radio again. We're glad to have you back, and we're glad to be back. My name is Tim Grady. I'm here with my co-host, Lou Weiss, and we are going to be speaking with two gentlemen who are involved up in Michigan with a very creative high school up there, Grand Haven High School. And they're going to be telling us what they're doing with that high school in the way of trying to close the skills gap. So look forward to that conversation. Stay tuned. But before we get to our guests, let me speak with my co-host, Lou Weiss, who's got all kinds of update information for us. Lou, how are you today? I'm great, but let's not make a big deal over all the news because it's all not great. <laughs> oh. or some of it's some of it's great and some of it's not. But I don't want to get into politics. We, we made an oath, remember, four years ago, no politics. <laughs> yeah, that's right. However, it's, however, it's hard to talk about manufacturing today without talking politics. But let's uh, see what we can do. Uh, let's talk about uh, our postscript for for last week's show. Uh, we had uh, Chad Moutre, who's the chief economist for the National Association of Manufacturers, otherwise known as NAM, uh, who's uh, on our show uh, every month and talks about what their view is of the economy at that time. We also have uh, Roy Slow, who's a senior uh, correspondent reporting to us from uh, France, uh, reporting on the UK and the EU. And we also have Chong Wang reporting from China, Shanghai, who reports on what's going on in Asia. Uh, we also have uh, Norbert Orr, uh, who is a chief economist from Strategis, and he talks about the PMI Global Report on 18 different countries. Uh, that's actually a second uh, segment. So if you want to listen to uh, Norbert and what's going on in the world, there is a, a second player for you to listen to and get Norbert's insight into what's going on globally. Uh, that being said, let's talk about a couple of news items. Uh, as of uh, this week, uh, the jobless claims down by 12,000 to 232 which was actually a surprise, and it beat uh, forecasts. So it seems as though things are still getting better and better, and uh, it's something for all of us to jump up and down about. Manufacturing technology orders was up 6.5% for June. I know this is August, but they just came out with their numbers now, and uh, uh, that's a huge jump. Uh, over uh, the May issue, and that number was put out by the U.S. Manufacturing Technology Orders, otherwise known as USMTO. Uh, And that's just, again, another uh, insight into what's happening uh, here in our U.S. of A. Here's an interesting story. Home Depot is partnering with GE, Tesla, to create 50 solar farms on store rooftops of Home Depot. 
the amount of energy that it's going to create is uh, enough to power 2,300 homes. So that's uh, pretty interesting that they're using that uh, uh, real estate to generate uh, electricity through uh, solar. Uh, going, uh, going forward, uh, workforce challenges about skills and the skill gap. They're coming out with some interesting points about that, that skill gap is not necessarily all about skills. It may have something to do with the location of the people who either have or don't have the skills. So smaller cities have a bigger problem because not a lot of the major or, or mega manufacturing companies are moving to small cities, even though they probably should. They can get a better deal from the states. They can get better uh, uh, tax uh, incentives and so on. But uh, who am I? I'm just a lowly reporter reporting what we hear. Uh, going, uh, going forward, the uh, factory activity fell in July. And uh, that, uh, that report is showing that uh, August should be significantly stronger in manufacturing. And, and I have to point out that All Metals and Forge Group is a manufacturing company that I run. Uh, where we manufacture open dive forgings uh, for heavy industry. Uh, and that uh, survey is bearing out for us as well. Sales have picked up uh, rather significantly. So we're really excited about that. Uh, Tim, I think that uh, that's probably pretty much where we're at for today. Okay, and then we're going to have also next week's show that we would like everybody to stay tuned for, tune in for next week, who is with, uh, John Pardon is with Management Recruiters Indianapolis North. He works uh, exclusively in the vocational vehicle and truck body world, trying to find people for that, you know, another skills gap situation where they're trying to solve it with the uniqueness of what their firm does. So tune in next week as well. And... Right now, we will get to our guests who are going to discuss what unique thing they're doing with the high school in Michigan. In this segment of Manufacturing Talk Radio, we're going to be speaking with Brian Glowiak, who is SME Education Foundation's Vice President, and we will be speaking with Doug Peterson, Global Vice President of Human Resources from Shape Corporation, a very interesting concept that these two organizations have put together between them, and it's uh, kind of duplicating itself in many other ways, which Brian will share with us. Uh, I'd like to welcome both Brian and Doug to Manufacturing Talk Radio. Thank you. Thank you. It's great to join you. Brian, let me start with you. If you could give our listeners just kind of a quick uh, elevator pitch on what SME is and the Education Foundation so that when we get into this partnership discussion between SME and SHAPE, they'll have a little sense of who SME is. Thanks. Sure. Let me begin with SME is is a nonprofit organization that for uh, more than 80 years has had a focused mission of advancing manufacturing and and developing and, and uh, supporting the, the strong manufacturing, a skilled uh, manufacturing workforce. It's an organization that promotes manufacturing technologies, 
and it also attracts and recruits future generations to pursue careers in, in manufacturing. The SME Education Foundation is, is a child of a parent SME, also a nonprofit that uh, has the mission of really inspiring, preparing, and supporting youth in their pursuit of manufacturing careers. Just because I'm just because I'm old fashioned, I just didn't want to get it into us old timers. The SME formerly was the Society of Manufacturing Engineers. So, Brian, I wanted to get that in for us old guys. It, <laughs> it, it is. Thank you. I mean, it's it's an organization legally. Yes, we are the Society of Manufacturing Engineers. Uh, but for for our, our external uh, outreach, we're known as SME. Quite frankly, because. We really engage with, uh, and our members consist of high school students, college students, uh, industry practitioners and professionals, research scientists, uh, academia, as well as corporate employees. So it's, uh, we've broadened our, re- our reach and scope uh, beyond manufacturing engineers. Excellent. Doug, let me go to you for a moment. You... Uh how are you? Did you become involved with SME, and how did this uh, unique partnership uh, with a local high school kind of evolve out of that? Um, well, we got uh, we got involved with SME um, when a our our head of recruiting was involved in a. Um, on a panel that was talking about uh, workforce development, um, the challenges with finding uh, skilled technical uh, people, both both now and what in terms of uh, projecting projecting into the future. Um, and uh, her name is uh, Julie Davidson, and also the SME folks were there. Um, and that's how the connection started. And um, through that relationship and learning what uh, SME does, their educational uh, arm, and our needs here uh, in Grand Haven in West Michigan, um, we began to, to, to look at how we could implement the prime program here locally. And... Um, ultimately uh, reached out to Grand Haven High School, which is, of course, right in our, uh, right in our neighborhood. We are a Grand Haven-based company. And uh, we took some of their staff, along with uh, some folks from the SME, as well as from the Michigan Manufacturing uh, Association officials, uh, to uh, a program, a high school in Ohio that had implemented they were they had just implemented i think they were only one year in but uh, exposed everybody to that to see what it would look like um and got uh, got buy in from the grand haven uh, folks grand haven high school folks and uh, we were off and running so uh, our goal is to continue to have uh, manufacturing thriving in grand haven long term and in west michigan uh, in order to do that, though, with advanced manufacturing techniques and advanced processing and so forth, um, we needed a way to develop uh, young people for um, future roles in manufacturing and also wanted to to help 
young kids understand the great jobs there are in manufacturing again. Manufacturing is back. Manufacturing is cool again, and there's great careers. And so that was part of the plan as well. Okay, so uh, Doug, Brian, uh, what is the the collaboration? What is what is it you're actually doing with these high schools? And I, I gather from a, a pre-discussion that we had that you're involved right now with about 22 high schools. Is that correct? Actually, 24, and that, that number continues to, to climb. Uh, as a brief background, when, when Doug referenced PRIME, PRIME is an acronym uh, for Partnership Response and Manufacturing Education. Uh, it is a program that, that SME launched about six years ago, really to create centers of excellence in manufacturing education embedded in high schools. It's not an extracurricular activity. It is, in fact, part of the, the curricula in high schools that provides students with the opportunity to acquire the, the skills and the hands-on training for them to, to acquire skills and competencies such as you know, pre-engineering and CNC machining and robotics and mechatronics, welding, you know, quality control and inspection, so you know, skilled careers in manufacturing. And Prime really, again, relies upon the, the support of manufacturers. It's, it's a collaborative program that's, that's regionalized. We will build out a Prime program in a community by talking with manufacturers like Shape Corporation to identify what their skill sets need, are needed both now and in the near future. And then in a collaborative, custom-tailored fashion, working with the school district to implement you know, industry-relevant equipment you know, recognized curricula, uh, providing the professional development for the educators, and, and allowing the students, again, to acquire these skills and, and hands-on training so that they can transition into careers after their high school graduation, directly into manufacturing, and or continuing their, their studies uh, to pursue degrees in a uh, field of study related to manufacturing. So we're effectively working with manufacturers to to help develop uh, their future workforce. I, I have a very broad uh, overview question to ask, and uh, frankly, I, I think it really should be asked at the end of our segment, but uh, just so everyone who's listening to us right now, I'd like to get the point out. Uh, it's projected by the prognosticators that in 10 years, we're going to be down about 300, I'm sorry, 3 million manufacturing jobs. And they say that 2 million of them will be uh, will go unfulfilled. Right now we have about 700,000 unfulfilled. So and I, I've asked this question of a couple of other individuals from some other orgs that are doing what you're doing and as basically expanding the educational system for leaning towards uh, manufacturing. Is it possible that this number that's being bantied around, about 3 million open jobs in 10 years from now and 2 million will go unfulfilled are what you are doing and others going to basically avoid that uh, immense crater that's going to happen in 10 years well i'll open. take a, we're certainly I'll, making every yeah up. i'll take a go i'll ahead, take Doug. a stab at that okay and then i'll take a stab at that and then brian i'm Great. sure um would have some comments you know from my perspective and i think the primary 
jobs they're talking about are STEM jobs, science, technology, uh, engineering, and math-based uh, types of jobs, which, of course, is um, part and parcel of manufacturing uh, types right. of positions. Um, so th there's, there's two things. One is that manufacturing is back. And uh, there's a it, – it, and I can speak – primarily in West Michigan, that um, virtually all of the major, major manufacturing companies in West Michigan are on a growth curve and are all struggling with finding um, the technical talent. So one of the issues, I think, is helping people, kids in schools and their parents and communities understand the the value of those types of jobs, the kind of um, salaries that people can earn, uh, and rekindling uh, what really advanced manufacturing is today and is going to be in the next 10 years. I think manufacturing, you know, over the past decade has gotten a bit of a bad rap, and um, and so I don't think parents or kids even think about manufacturing as a career. So that's one thing, I think, is re-educating people on, um, on the types of careers and uh, job opportunities there are and job growth in, uh, in manufacturing. Then the second thing, obviously, is developing the skills. And I think that's where what was so exciting for us with the PRIME program, and we're so grateful to Grand Haven High School for, is that it's moving that curriculum back into the main high school building versus kids having to go to, you know, spend afternoons away from their friends perhaps and out of the building and out of the other activities that are going on to maybe an ISD or some other facility for those types of, uh, those types of classes. Um, by bringing it back into uh, the main high school building, uh, kids that aspire to those kinds of jobs and that kind of curriculum can have it right there, um, integrated into their day like like any other class uh, that would be offered there. And uh, we think that that has a real, real opportunity to rekindle and excite kids about the kinds of things that are that are hands-on and technical in nature, mechanical in nature, and um, and really help this next generation grow those skills and come into the workforce far more prepared for the world of work than than um, than they are than they would be otherwise. Brian, any comments on that as well? Oh, Doug uh, characterized it perfectly. I mean, the, the key here is, yes, we, we do believe, as you said, the, you know, the, the projections for 2 million unfilled jobs going forward you know, by 2025, uh, that's a scary proposition to manufacturers in terms of you know, maintaining their competitiveness or viability as you have a huge retiring workforce you know, bubble that's, that's already occurring. And then the fact that the advancements in manufacturing technologies and, and the need to ramp up the, the technical skills and the problem-solving skills for, for uh, new workers, and the fact that, as Doug indicated, you know, we have youth and parents that, that have to be 
you know, informed and inspired to, to know that these career opportunities exist um, and that there are alternatives to that, you know, that just that sole four-year college pathway. I mean, Prime can complement a four-year engineering degree, but it also can provide an alternative pathway to students that says they can get into a rewarding career out of, right out of high school with advancement opportunities and then it, it can be married to, you know, post-secondary, you know, education initiatives as well. So, yes, we're at 44 schools uh, in 23, 22 states today with Prime, uh, but we're advancing as quickly as we can, and, and we certainly appreciate the opportunity like this to, to help build awareness of what we're trying to achieve. Well, thank you for that comment, and uh, Doug as well. Um, and I'm glad you brought up about parents. Uh, I'd like to just mention to you a story that occurred here in the state of New Jersey about two months ago, and it was called Maker's Day. And I don't know if you're familiar with it or not, but the New NJIT, New Jersey Institute of Technology, and the uh, public library system partnered together and created what they called uh, Maker's Day. And Maker's Day was on a, held on a Saturday. It was uh, in every public library in the state of New Jersey, which there are 300. And at every library, they had uh, kids and young adults from the age of 8 to 18 uh, present a project that they have done, whether it was electronics, whether it was art, whether it was uh, 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 some commercial product that they put together. And uh, I wound up going to the uh, Hillsdale, New Jersey event where there were uh, 15 exhibits. And uh, naturally, all of the students were there with their parents. And the bottom line was three days later, NJIT reported that they had 80,000 people involved in that half a day event in the state of New Jersey. And the bulk of those people, of course, were parents. And the parents saw that there is a huge, huge opportunity and seeing that their kids have other options other than uh, perhaps college and a lifetime of debt. Uh, so I just wanted to mention about the state of New Jersey and what they're doing. Unfortunately, the, the event and the uh, number of people that were involved in it uh, for that half a day of un unfortunately never made it to mainstream media. But, again, I'd like to pass it on to you, showing you what's going on in other parts of the country. Tim? That's great. Yeah. Uh, Brian, I just have a question for you, and then I've got one for Doug. For you, Brian, I'd like to know how the foundation connects the manufacturing industry with educational institutions. It's really through, through us, the SM Education Foundation. We, we serve as that translator. So in terms of being able to communicate, first working with manufacturers in a given community, as I, as I said, understanding, you know, what the workforce skills requirements are for, the, for you know, their employment employees. Right. And then once we know what competencies they're looking for, both hard skills, soft skills, working with the local superintendent of a school district and then ultimately the principal and the educators to strategically implement a program that will build out these pathways to develop these competencies. And, and the uniqueness of Prime is that it's tailored and it can be customized for every different community. So, for example, 
we would not develop a, a welding program and curricula in a high school if the regional manufacturers in that locality say we don't need welders. You know, we, we need CNC machinists. We need robotics technicians. So we're effectively working, you know, translating these needs to the school district and then building out the pathway so we're delivering the product, i.e., the students that have those skilled competencies that manufacturers urgently demand. And, Doug, just to go to you, because you are involved with HR um, and you're involved really globally as well as locally, I'd just like to get your perspective about what you think, and we happen to think manufacturing is very cool, but what you think is cool in manufacturing today that parents and kids ought to be looking at? Great question. Several things. I think one is that um, there's a lot of there's a lot of manufacturers, um, and again, my my experience is beyond shape. It would include um, a lot of other companies here in western Michigan and, and then uh, across the state of Michigan, and I'm sure this is true across the country. But, but one thing is that um, companies here are very, very involved in their communities. Um, wherever manufacturing has taken root, the quality of life in that community has gone up. Um, there are very, very good, high-paying jobs uh, in manufacturing, and it's not like I think a lot of people think of it when they think of kind of a dirty uh, windowless building with you know, loud machinery and bad air to breathe and all of that kind of uh, imagery. I think today manufacturing is doing some of the most creative things on earth in terms of uh, working with materials, bending materials, creating um, new and better products um, uh, for consumers. And with with the... Um, advances, R&D advances, um, I, I think that uh, the for people that are creative, for people that want to make a lot of money, for people that want to stay in their local community and not have to, you know, move to other parts of the world, um, I think there's a, I, I think it's a great place to be. And also for people who do want to move to other parts of the world, or at least experience that for periods of time, um, we've had uh, probably 20 people at least in our company that have lived overseas in one of our foreign entities for, you know, short periods of time, three to five years. We've had um, a, a number of our shop floor associates, technical people that have helped launch facilities around the world that have helped train people from other, uh, from other parts of the world. Um, and I can't think of a single one that haven't been um, benefited and felt blessed by the opportunity to do that. Um, so I think I think opportunity, creativity, and again, some of the most creative things on earth are happening in manufacturing. Things that have never been thought. You know, it's not just it's not just the world of um, you know software and and uh, 
those areas, but also just hard manufacturing. There is some very, very creative, very, very cool things going on. They're going to change the world and change everyday uh, products. I would absolutely agree. Certainly, uh, we've been hearing from the National Association of Manufacturers that of all of the R&D that takes place in the United States, 75% of it occurs in manufacturing. So yeah. that's that's pretty exciting stuff. It is. It is. Brian, Brian, when you talk about hard skills and soft skills, can you flesh those two out for us a bit? Well, the hard skills, you know, are, are those skilled competencies. So when we're talking about taking a student and giving them the opportunity to, to earn an industry-recognized credential, uh, let's say in machining, to earn, you know, a NIMS credential, um, those are the, the factors that are going to demonstrate to a future employer that that student, you know, has the capabilities to perform and be a, an immediate contributor to that organization. The soft skills are, are equally important. Um, you know, it, it's, it's teaching and, and, and really underscoring to use that, you know, there's a commitment that you show up on time, that you're ready and, and you know, willing to work, that you call in to an employer if you're going to be late or miss a day. Uh, it's things that maybe previous generations uh, of people just knew and, and did, and, and it's something that we have to reinforce to, to students today. So it is equally important to, to our prime partners that, you know, there, there is this emphasis first on the hard skills, but making sure that, you know, students are aware of those, those and, and trained in those soft skills as well. Brian, when one of these programs goes into a high school, and I know when I went through high school and even junior high school, what they call middle school these days, there was a woodworking class, which I took and loved. Um, what kind of technology or parts or, or machinery has to go into a high school in order for that high school to coach up their kids for the manufacturer who's looking for the output of that program? Well, it, in part, you know, the essence of Prime is that we bring in industry-relevant equipment. So, you know, when we, when we talk about uh, a center of of excellence in advanced manufacturing education, it's not bringing in uh, or showing films of equipment or virtual simulators. <laughs> it's bringing right. in, you know, a, a, a real-world, you know, CNC, you know, mill, uh, the same piece of equipment that would be, you know, in the workplace uh, when that student graduates and, and goes, you know, to become a, uh, you know, a skilled machinist. It's, you know, for instance, if we're training in uh, mechatronics and robotics, it's bringing in a robotic trainer that has the same programmable controls as an industrial robot. Um, and that's a skill set that we can provide that, you know, uh, manufacturing uh, specific credentials provided by robotic manufacturers that will demonstrate that if a student earns that credential, they've demonstrated that they can, you know, program an industrial robot that could be at you know, any of the, the Fortune 100 manufacturers. Uh, so in terms of inspiring students, you know, to look at these careers, when we launch a, a prime school, it's, it's engaging parents and the entire student body to, to build awareness of here's the opportunities that they have, uh, in, you know, with these careers and the skill sets that they can earn and learn from in that program. 
and bringing in manufacturers to specifically talk about the opportunities. So, you know, having someone like Doug or, or Julie that he referenced coming into the school and, and really making it relevant to the students when they talk about the wages and benefits and advancement opportunities um, available. And there's another link that I, I really wanted to share on the inspirational side, and that is I'm, I'm very, you know, pleased of, of a partnership that we recently formed with NASA. And NASA has a program that they established about 13 years ago called FUNCH, which is a, another acronym for High School Students United with NASA to Create Hardware. And this is a program that NASA actually engages with high schools across the country giving the students uh, an opportunity to engineer a solution for something that can be used for astronaut flight training or, or for, to improve the quality of life for astronauts aboard the International Space Station. And then once that, that item is, is engineered and designed, it's you know, giving the students an opportunity to actually fabricate the component. Uh, this is inspirational because students not only are, are working on hardware for NASA, NASA will advise the students when it's actually going into training or being shipped aboard the International Space Station, and it allows effectively high school students to add to their resume that they produce a piece of hardware for NASA. That is pretty that is, exciting in terms that of is inspiring wildly students. Cool. Wildly cool. Wildly <laughs> cool. Hey, Tim, this just it goes is. to show that you're showing your age because this is a far removed from doing a wood uh, letter opener in woodshop. <laughs> hey, it, it was a plant table I made my mother. <laughs> I made what the I letter find, opener. <laughs> what I find fascinating about that, Brian, is that uh, I just read recently that the tricorder, which Mr. Spock used to carry around in the 1965-68 Gene Roddenberry Star Trek series, is now under development by two competing corporations. I, you know, I watch those shows and, and I look at that stuff and go, wow, wouldn't that be cool? Today, kids watch a show and go, oh, I could probably make that. <laughs> so, wild I, stuff. Or, or just <laughs> as, a, as, a, as a sidebar, think about on Star Trek when they ordered their food and all it just magically appeared behind the door. Well, drive the corollary to additive manufacturing today where you can conceive of something, put it in CAD software, and then make it a few minutes later. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> incredible. Uh, Doug, I, I have to ask you, because Shape Corporation really stepped up to the plate with a significant investment in, in this Prime program. Uh, and I'd just like you to share as much as you can about why you made that investment and, and where it's going. Sure. Yeah, the the reason for the investment um is is again what we're talking about in terms of uh our commitment our sp specific company commitment to the communities in which we do business. Um we are we are committed long term in Grand Haven um to manufacturing here as well as, you know, the other communities in which we do business. But, um, and, and given, given our commitment to uh, our community wanting to be here long-term, uh, we're privately held, and it was really a very, very easy decision to make um, 
because of uh, the benefits that we think our partnership with SME, our partnership with Grand Haven High School, and our partnership with the Prime Program will pay you know dividends for us in years to come. Um, the the money, the donation, the investment that we're making will go towards the curriculum development that we're talking about, the equipment purchase, all of which will be done through SME. Um, we also will be having internships for students, uh, high school students here. We're developing um, those programs, summer programs uh, for students that are involved in the program. We'll also um, leverage some of the incredibly talented people that we have working for us now um, in supplementing um, supplementing the uh, uh, teaching of that curriculum to the degree that uh, Grand Haven would want us to um, and so forth, sponsoring kids, uh, supplementing some of the teaching and so forth. But we've got a a lot of uh, of some of our most talented people that are really excited about participating and um, and have already stepped up and said, "Hey, anything I can do, um, I'd love to participate." It's just a wonderful thing to be to see shape, you know, being willing to make the kind of financial investment we are to make sure that um, we stay here and thrive um, over many, many, many years to come. Oh, that's great. Uh, Lou, you and I have talked about uh, this kind of thing, and we've talked to a number of companies about this kind of thing. This is probably one of the uh, better and finer examples that we've seen for uh, apprenticeship programs at the high school level. Yeah, we... um... We've talked to a lot of people about this, and there's all kinds of uh, programs that are being worked on and developed, and, and you're right. Uh, this sounds to be a more complete uh, uh, more complete investment, more complete uh, uh, commitment. Uh, now, matter of fact, you had mentioned earlier how many, how many states that you're in. Uh, could you just give us uh, kind of a a rough idea of some of the bigger states that you're doing the same type of program in? I don't expect you to well, run down the whole list. In, uh, well, so, some of the, just some of the states. I mean, we've, we've grown the prime program with multiple schools in, in Ohio, California. Uh, we're growing in Michigan now. And, um, you know, we do have schools in Massachusetts and we're looking to add there as well. So, uh, 22 states is, is quite broad, but, you know, arguably sure. 44 schools is, is the tip of the iceberg. You know, there are, there are so many schools in, located in communities that have robust manufacturing centers. And, and that's where, you know, we're striving to, to build these relationships, build awareness of, uh, you know, of the success of this program and, and how we can bring it into local communities. Yeah, that's that's terrific, and and I, I'll be so bold to ask you: are, Do you have any uh, facilities here in the state of New Jersey where we're located? We don't yet, and uh, I'm looking forward to to making sure we have one. Well, if we can help you in that direction, we'd be happy to. 
Yeah, that's, that's uh, certainly it, it exciting. It all begins first with, with building that awareness with manufacturers. And our, our just, just uh, so listeners understand, I don't know that the financial commitment is the same for every company in every situation that's implementing a prime program. For us, it's about $100,000 per year for three years. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that's interesting, interesting and important to know. Doug, your company, Shape Corporation, does roll forming, injection molding, aluminum finishes. I wonder if you could just briefly go over those four areas and share with our listeners, you know, what that means, what you actually manufacture. Sure. Um, we are uh, primarily a Tier 1 automotive uh, supply company. We are, Our specialty, our niche, um, is in crash energy management components. So what that what that equates to or what that means is uh, components like uh, front and rear end bumpers, um, energy absorbers, crush cans, um, frame rails, all the parts that work together to manage energy in a crash as well as um, door beams, roof bows. So it's structural parts um, to the car. And we, we basically um, are supplying all of the Japanese OEMs, so Toyota, Honda, um, Nissan, uh, the American General Motors, Ford, Chrysler. We're doing some work with BMW, um, Volkswagen, and so forth. And um, uh, from, a, from a challenge perspective, all of the OEMs, obviously want lighter cars uh, because of um, the lighter the automobile, the less gas it takes or, or whatever kind of fuel you're running. Um, and uh, so the challenge is, is using new materials, lighter weight materials, um, making them stronger, uh, perform better. Um, and so we we're utilizing plastic, ultra, ultra high strength steel, uh, aluminum. We're also looking at some some other materials um, that we can form uh, to make uh, parts that go into again the structural part of the car. Tim has a favorite uh, pro, uh, material called graphene. <laughs> Tim, you want to tell him <laughs> about your favorite topic? <laughs> Well, I was going to ask graphene. if they do anything with okay. carbon composites. Uh, have you heard of graphene, Doug? I I have heard of it. <laughs> I don't okay. know much about graphene. Tim's yeah, going to tell you all about it. It's a rather <laughs> fascinating thing. Uh, they were trying to make a object that was a two-dimensional object that had width and length but no thickness. And they did it by taking a lead pencil and rubbing it on a piece of paper and leaving the graphite and putting scotch tape on it and peeling it off and putting scotch tape on it and peeling it off until they thought what was left was one layer of graphite molecules, one atom thick. They worked on it for two years before they, one of the scientists said, well, it's not working. I wonder what's on the tape. 
So they pulled the tape out of the trash, and there they found the one-layer-thick material that they'd been trying to invent. <laughs> this is the wow. kind of very cool stuff that happens in manufacturing. <laughs> this is Tim's favorite story. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love it. Yep. Well, you mentioned exactly earlier, Doug, kind of that, that happens. yeah, manufacturing is doing stuff that's going to change the products and change the world. And this is where it happens. If anyone's looking for a career that's cool, where you can actually touch and see and feel it as it happens, manufacturing is it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> this absolutely. is a bit rem- this is a bit reminiscent of how the this is a bit remin- uh, remin- uh Reminiscent of how the post-it was invented by 3M. It Joel? is. It is. Um, yeah, they they correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that story is they uh, somebody developed kind of that adhesive idea, and um, they brought people together, and it was it was somebody else that came up with the idea for the the sticky note uh, I, and i think i think that i think that what they did is is that one of the things that they do to to uh make sure that creativity is a part of an innovation is a part of every aspect of their business is they they bring people together from different areas of the business and just let them brainstorm uh, and that's I think that's how they came up with that. It, it was well, the sticky it, somebody invented that and somebody came up with the other idea of, of it being on a, a post the complete thing. the complete story of that is that an engineer did it for himself. He created a product for himself. Oh, okay. And he went to a meeting and uh he passed a document so on to uh, somebody in the meeting and they saw the post and they said, Well, what's this? And that was the beginning. Okay, better story. Better story than mine. You got it. Well, we're in a radio business. Great great stories in manufacturing. Uh, I'll leave you with one more before we wrap up this segment. Procter & Gamble, some years ago, was getting letters. This was before washing machines were commonplace. That the women who were washing the clothes in the rivers loved their ivory soap because it floats. Mm. And he looked at the letter and went, uh, it's not supposed to float. So they tracked it back to manufacturing and production, and somebody finally admitted that they were blending the ivory soap, and for whatever reason, they left it blending too long, and they got too much air in the soap. <laughs> but rather... <laughs> <laughs> rather rather than admit that they let the batch go through <laughs> thus the letters thus ivory soap today that floats oh, that's <laughs> it a was great a story great, never heard that story one. yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, that's kind of the cool stuff of manufacturing well brian i'm extremely excited to hear what high school kids are doing with the nasa that is such a great opportunity it is, and we're so proud to have that partnership so that we can bring the Hunts program, you know, into into the prime schools. Grand Haven will be, uh, you know, as we ramp up that program, eligible for, for Hunch. 
and uh, and I know Doug and I are both looking forward to that to, to have a uh, a NASA project for the students to work on. <laughs> you bet. That's very that's really that's really cool stuff. Cool stuff. Well, Brian, thanks for being with us, and Doug, I really appreciate your insights from Shape Corporation. You're a global organization, but you're. I loved one of your uh, uh, slogans on your website was "Act local, think global, or be global." Um, yeah. What, Tim and I look it's been for. My pleasure. Thank you, and and Tim and I look for almost in every show, uh, you know, what we refer to as the golden nugget, and I, I did make a note of it. And Doug, I said, I think that you won it when you said manufacturing is back. So we want to thank you for that. And uh, it it certainly seems to be back in spite of uh, things that are going on in Washington as to what's happening or not happening. But you're right. Manufacturing is back. And uh, we're really pleased to be part of it from our end. Jim? Well, I just want to remind our listeners on two website addresses. The SME Education Foundation can be found at smeeducationfoundation.org. And that's Brian's organization, Brian Glowiak. And Shape Corporation can be found at shapecorp, S-H-A-P-E-C-O-R-P.com. And that's Doug's organization. So be sure to check out both of those organizations and under About Us, under Shape Corporation, you'll find Act Local, Be Global. What a great slogan. Thanks, gentlemen, for being with us. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you, and uh, be well. Bye-bye. And we've been, we've been speaking with Brian Glowiak, who is uh, with the SME Education Foundation. He's vice president. And Doug Peterson, who's global vice president of human resources for Shape Corporation. Stay tuned for more of Manufacturing Talk Radio. Manufacturing Talk Radio will be right back. Elevate your career and stay ahead of the curve with EISM. Brought to you by the Institute for Supply Management. EISM is the first on-the-go lifestyle-compatible learning initiative in the industry. It features hyper-short 15-minute modules and guided learning courses that can be completed in as few as three weeks. Just right for you or your team. It's the world's largest one-stop online learning shop for supply management. Register today at ismelearning.org. Hey guys, are you bothered by rising transportation costs? Do you worry that your vendors and suppliers are also in the transport brokerage business? Do you sometimes wonder if you've got the right amount of product and supply available to serve your customers and get the job done? Well, if any of this is on your mind, I've got the free resource for you. It's called Inbound Logistics, and it reveals the ways companies just like yours took control of inbound product flow, rationalized transport costs, reduced inventory requirements and touches, all without dinging customer service. Go to InboundLogistics.com, look for the free subscription link, and sign up today. This message was sponsored by Manufacturing Talk Radio and All Metals and Forge Group. How do you keep your business humming? Where do you go when you're looking for quality suppliers of new equipment? Components, MRO supplies repair services, or even raw materials. 30 years ago, you would have turned to the Thomas Register. Today, those big green books are better than ever at thomasnet.com, industry's leading platform for product sourcing and supplier discovery. You can easily find that local machine shop, national distributor, OEM, or any supplier having the right quality certification. Fast and free. You can even get to specific products, components, or downloadable 3D CAD drawings. 
simply by entering specifications or part numbers. There's a reason thomasnet.com has become the go-to supplier discovery tool for procurement professionals and engineers. There's simply no other resource like it, and it's all free. Go to thomasnet.com today and see how top-notch supplier discovery doesn't have to put a dent into your bottom line. All Metals and Forge Group is an ISO 9001 AS and EN 9100 manufacturer of open die forgings and seamless rolled rings in alloy, carbon, stainless and tool steels, aluminum, copper, titanium, and nickel alloys. Visit us at steelforge.com or call 800-600-9290. Welcome back to Manufacturing Talk Radio. Okay, another great show. Uh, Brian Glowiak, Vice President of SME Education Foundation, and Peter and Doug Peterson, Global Vice President of Human Resources at Shape Corporation, gave us a pretty good insight as to what's going on in terms of uh, the issues in uh, HR, and uh, they have a, a the a program called Prime. Uh, partnership response in manufacturing education to attract youths into manufacturing. Did I say youths like they did in Uncle Vinny the movie? <laughs> youths. Yeah. Uh, I think you said youths. <laughs> I did say youths. Right. That's because I have a even loose though you're cap. from you're from Jersey. What do you expect? Two youths. Yeah, that's true. youths. Right. Okay. So. Uh, that's that's a great show, I, and uh, I suggest that uh, anybody who's tuning in now uh, go back to the beginning and listen to this because uh, it's some pretty good stuff. Uh, next week's show, uh, we have uh, John Pardon, who is with uh, Management Recruiters, Indianapolis North. Uh, again, we're talking about... Uh, uh, in this particular case, we're talking about vocational vehicle training in the truck body world and uh, autonomous uh, vehicles inside the manufacturing plant. Uh, and we've done a, a pre-show uh, interview with them, and it's really interesting stuff. The technology is just so, so incredible. Uh, so make sure you tune in next week uh, for John Pardon of Management Recruiters, Indianapolis North. Tim? And that puts a wrap on our show for today. We certainly appreciate everyone listening into the live show or tuning into the podcast. We have our entire library of podcasts at mfgtalkradio.com, and we also have a number of news stories that we post every day, things that are happening in manufacturing. So Come back, come often, and we look forward to you listening again to Manufacturing Talk Radio. Thanks for joining us on Manufacturing Talk Radio. You can hear our next broadcast each Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at mfgtalkradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.